Timeout when there's gaps in coverage. Every team needs a player that they can count on to help out. Aflac Supplemental Insurance can help close the gap between what health insurance covers and what it doesn't. When you're sick or injured, bills can rack up fast. Aflac pays cash that can be put towards medical expenses like co-pays or even non-medical expenses like groceries or rent. Get help with expenses that health insurance does not cover. Visit Affleck.com to learn more. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, it's hour one on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board. Come in, stay a while. The gang's all here. Seton Pauly, Fritzy McLovin. Yours truly, Dan Patrick Show. Whether you were watching or not, plenty of players to root for in Major League Baseball and credit the league for making them available on microphones last night during the All-Star game. How can you not like Fernando Tatis Jr., Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman? They had great sense of humors on display last night. Had an interview with Shohei Otani and uh, translator. Uh, Angels star didn't really deliver on the field, even though pitched a scoreless inning. He got the win. But that constant smile, the fact that he was available, he was there for home run derby. Some of the bright spots for Major League Baseball and baseball has its fair share of critics, and a lot of it's fair. Style of play isn't ideal. We've seen enough strikeouts for an entire season already at the All-Star break. But the stars go a long way in defining a sport. If you look at the NBA, that almost seems to be the model that Major League Baseball is trying to emulate, and they should. Last night's All-Star game proved that they might be onto something. You have Tatis Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., you have Otani. You have some names here, at least names that resonate uh, resonate with younger fans, because that's what this is all about. We were sitting around here earlier today before the show, and we sounded like old men. I remember back in our day, we could name all the All-Stars. We could name the guys who were on the bench. Okay, it was really important to you back then. You didn't have as many distractions. You didn't have things like a job or a family. And they didn't know anything about girls at the time. And 
you know, maybe today's younger fan knows who these players are, all of these players. Uh, you know, you're playing video games with them. We used to collect baseball cards. And I think it's easy to go back in our day. Okay, back in our day. But kids today, if you're going to sell the game to them, that's really what's important. What are they consuming? What are they interested in? What do they care about? Do they love bat flips? Do they love the style of uh, Tatis Jr. or Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Are they into Shohei Otani? Like, these are all fascinating personalities for me. But if a younger audience, a younger generation is not consuming it, it's not great for the sport. If you look at the Target demo, you know, of, of what Major League Baseball caters to, it's the oldest demo in the major sports. You know, you're looking at mid-50s as a baseball fan. You, everybody wants the younger audience here. I think this was a really good week for Major League Baseball. You know, they, they've survived this spider tack, you know, with doctoring a baseball here. But you're able to have a showcase moment for Shohei Otani. And you get Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's 22 years of age. You got Tatis Jr., who's the same age. They grew up together. Their dads played in the major leagues. It was fun. You had Pete Alonso from a big market with the Mets winning home run derby again. I think Major League Baseball has a lot to build on here. They're going to take away the seven-inning no uh, seven-inning double headers next year and get rid of the. We're going to put a guy on second base to start extra innings. Those are just some of the things that the commissioner has uh, talked about. They did this during the pandemic. I get it. Now we move on. What's the next step for Major League Baseball? And really, I think it's important for the legacy of this commissioner. How are you growing the game? It seems like everybody's still making money. Players are still getting paid great salaries here. I don't know how the uh, all-star ratings were, but if you, you know, go back when we were growing up, it was a big deal. There were a lot of people watching. Well, there weren't as many options to be watching something else. We had three channels. Of course you were watching it. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have social media. I mean, nowadays, what you're getting, I mean, you might get, you know, six six million people watching the All-Star game, maybe seven million. I don't know what the numbers were from last night. We'll wait to see the overnights, but... Major League Baseball has some positives here. Uh, you got good teams in uh, big markets. That's important as well. But for the most part, I think Major League Baseball has had a pretty good week. We're going to talk to Shohei Otani's manager, Joe Madden. He'll join us coming up here in a little bit uh, next hour. And uh, who else do we have on the show? Russ Wilson. Oh, that's right. Russell Wilson Jr. The third is going to join us. That'll be a little bit the return of Russell Wilson Jr. The third, because it's uh, been a while since we talked to Russ. I think it was February 9th that we had him on. And uh, Russ, I thought, was uh, un-Russ-like. Now, I don't know if he's returned to the old Russ, where he doesn't really say much. He's, you know, very nice during the interviews. Back then... It felt like he had something he wanted to get off his chest, and he did exactly that. He got it off his chest of his displeasure with sort of his status within the Seattle Seahawks organization, and that sort of that sh- that story exploded. I'm curious how long after the interview did he hear from the Seattle Seahawks? Because I'm guessing it didn't take long for them to go, uh, "Hey, uh, Russ, what's going on?" And I don't know if Russ, at the end of that conversation with Pete Carroll or John Schneider, said, uh, go Hogs. 
But he'll join us uh, coming up in the final hour of the show. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. We have game four, pivotal game four. Used to be pivotal game five. I'm going to say it's a pivotal game four because if the Suns win this game, then they're going to win this series. If Milwaukee wins, then maybe we're headed to a seven-game series. I had people saying it was going to be a sweep after the first two games. A lot of media people. Milwaukee has no answer for Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Now, Phoenix has no answer for the Greek freak. How are they going to stop Giannis? We're so flip-floppy, you know. It just Remember USA Basketball. Oh, my God, they're not going to win the gold medal. It's a disaster. And then they win last night, and nobody's going to talk about it. They, and they beat a really good team in Argentina. If all the problems were there with Nigeria and Australia, are they, were they there last night? Do they have any team unity, chemistry? Do they move the ball? I don't know. I watched the game last night. looked pretty easy for uh, Team USA. It's still not formed. That's not the, that's not the team we're going to see in Tokyo. But... We shouldn't, we, the United States, should not lose to Nigeria, even in a friendly, in an exhibition game. We should not. Australia, I get Australia. These guys who played together, pretty good team, got some NBA players, and they're not intimidated by Team USA. Intimidation used to play a really large part in Olympic basketball because this was a team that could walk in and all of a sudden you're playing for silver or bronze because Team USA is going to win. Now, you know, the rest of the world has seen everybody. Yes, we have better players. But I think that you could probably get a team. If I said to LeBron, hey, can you kind of drum up some uh, all-stars to play with you? Can you, get, can you give me an all-NBA team? Can you give me uh, Steph Curry to join you? Uh, let's see, who else would, uh, would he get? Chris Paul is going to be on the team, I believe, is on the Olympic team. Devin Booker. Yes, McLovin. I thought Paul, did Paul, is oh, he still on the team? He might have opted out. Oh, he, he was did. on the team, and then he said, I think I'm going to pass, but I'll double check that. All right, but if I said to LeBron, how about you come up with a team here? Anthony Davis, assuming he's going to be healthy. Zion. How did Zion not make this team? Or Julius Randle. Julius Randle's fine, but I, Kevin Love should not be on the Olympic team. Nice guy should not be on the Olympic team. This is where a younger player like Zion or Julius Randle should have been on that team. And look, I, we like Kevin Love. He, she's not, he's not an, an Olympian. It's not personal. It's just a fact. He, he should not be on that team. Now, are they going to win with him? Yes, they'll win with him. Uh, can they win without him? Yeah, they could win without him. But if you had, if I said, okay, LeBron, you get uh, Jimmy Butler, you get Paul George, you get Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, James Harden, and Anthony Davis. Yeah, McLovin. Do you want James Harden? Sorry, I'm just going to say, like, yeah, you have five All NBA players. Well, I, I don't want one guy with the left hand shooting all the shots. I, I don't. You know what? I I've come around a little bit on James Harden. I I thought he showed me more with the Nets with his ability to be a distributor and not, not ball dominant. But he seems to have this game seven mental. Well, that I just got to keep him out of a game seven. That's it. I can't, we got to end every series in six games. I can't get him to a seventh game because he usually doesn't go well. Yes, Paulie. 
maybe LeBron can find his own country and just buy it oh. and then start it, you know, have mm. his own team. Mm. He's got that kind of dough. Mm. Like Malta. That seems like a fun country. <laughs> Isn't it an island or something? Malta. It's near Italy? Yeah, the island of Malta. You get a bunch of those guys over in Malta, they'll crush. Uh, here's Chris Paul on how the Suns will respond in tonight's Game 4. Everybody on our team took the loss hard, as we should. You know, we never go into a game expecting to lose. You know, if you show me somebody who expects to lose, I'll show you a loser. We use yesterday, we'll use today to prepare, and we'll all come out ready to play tomorrow. All right. Here is the other thing that I found interesting. Monty Williams, the head coach of the Suns, didn't want to talk about the free throw disparity in Game 3. But he did talk about the free throw disparity while not wanting to talk about the free throw disparity. And then he was questioned about talking about and not talking about the free throw disparity. After last game, you said you didn't want to complain about the fouls, but then you kind of did the next sentence. I'm curious, the, the reason for doing Is that like that, a jab or no, no, way of like... No, I'm just curious. <laughs> the reason for bringing that up at a press conference is what? Well, somebody asked me the question, like, how can I help DA? So I answered it. And then the, the free throw disparity is what it is. So that's what I did. They had one player with 17 free throws. We had 16. That's not complaining. That's stating facts. <laughs> DA is DeAndre Aiden. Uh, you know, looking back on game three, Milwaukee was aggressive. They got shots, you know, near the hoop. And uh, this is what the Greek freak does. He can put you in foul trouble if he gets to the hoop. So I'm not surprised. You can say there's a free throw disparity and the Greek freak is your go-to guy, had the ball, and he's going inside, and he got found. So I, I don't have any problem with that. And if Monty Wayne, this is gamesmanship. Phil Jackson used to do this all the time. Uh, don't want to talk about you know free throw disparity here while I'm talking about the free throw disparity. All this is is just you know one of those. Uh, let, let me give a little jab, a little nudge to the NBA and the officials. I don't know if the officials go, oh, my God, did you hear what Monty Williams said? We got to help him out in game four. I don't, I don't know if that really matters. I think it's how you play. Now, sometimes it's who's refing and what they give you and what they don't. Here's another thing to keep an eye out on with uh, the Olympic basketball team. These officials aren't going to be giving these stars the calls that they normally get when they're playing in the NBA. There were times where in the game against Australia, where some of the marquee guys were going, wait, you're not going to give me that foul? No, play on guys. That, that was interesting to see that these officials are like, you know what? There's no star status here. We're going to basically call an NBA game here. Yeah, McLevin. The Olympics can't set up a thing where it's all the foreign players against the U S right? Like, that would be amazing. Well, I don't know if you can have the world against the United States in the Olympics. That would be. Would you like that as an all-star format, sure. as Reggie brought up the other day? Well, no. Michael Wilbon brought it up, and I think it would be great. The all-star game with uh, Team USA versus the world? Absolutely. For an all-star game? Absolutely. Yeah, Paul. You can't do like Trinidad and Tobago and Brazil and France. You can't just tack on a but few it's more. It's not fair that Trinidad and it's Tobago. Yeah. Like Trinidad should be facing, you know, somebody. And then Tobago. Also, should be. Tobago is carrying that thing. And it's right, it's second. Mm. It should be first. Mm. Tobago and Trinidad. Yep. Mm. All right. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Joe Madden, the Angels manager next hour. Russell Wilson, Jr., third. Uh, the third in the uh, final hour. Kawhi Leonard had knee surgery. He's going to be a free agent. I'm going to talk about this because this is a big deal. It's a lot bigger deal than people will play this up, in my opinion. 
because the start of next season is right around the corner. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip. Who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything. Everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver Airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. 
Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll get to more phone calls coming up. Once again, Russell Wilson, the return of Russell Wilson. Last time we spoke, February 9th, and all hell broke loose. So Russ will be back with us in an hour from now. Where other vans stop short, Mercedes-Benz vans go far beyond from their customization options, cutting-edge tech, to their five-star sales service financial support crew. Go that extra mile, taking the all-important first step into an authorized dealership today. It wasn't that long ago that our next guest was known as a uh, World Series winning manager. He's got a new title. He's Shohei Otani's manager. He's uh, Joe Madden who joins us on the show. How's that feel? Is that an official title, Joe? I'll take it. It's, it's, been, rather, it's been a lot of fun. He's, uh, you saw him during the uh, All-Star weekend or week, two days. Uh, he's, he's all of that. He's just a wonderful young man. He's very humble. He, he came across perfectly and probably the best talent possibly that's ever played the game. Who would you compare him to? You know, I've, I've been asked that, and everybody goes all over the map. And, um, you know, every, obviously the, the Babe Ruth comparisons, we never knew what the Babe actually looked or played like. We just see the, uh, this, those little legs running around the bases a lot. But I, I would say it's, it's more like a Bo Jackson for me, um, it, it, just to be able to dominate. Uh, Bo dominated once both sports, but Shoei dominating both sides of the ball in our game is so different. And I don't even, it's going to happen again. I don't know to this level, but some kid's going to come along to try to do and, and probably accomplish it. Even uh, uh, Lorenzo from Cincinnati, that kid's pretty good too. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He's out of Cal State Fullerton. He's pretty, he's pretty good hitter also. But anyway, it's, it's going to be a while, but I'd say Bo regarding the dominance, like on both sides of the ball and how, what a great athlete that he actually is. When we were growing up, chances <clears throat> are your best player, your best hitter mm-hmm. was the pitcher. Right. But at what point did we go, okay, you can't do both. You can't be a pitcher and a hitter. I think, uh, of course, you did it in Little League. Uh, I did it in Teeners League ball myself. I did it in American Legion ball. Um, when you get to college, um, I actually started out as a pitcher, and I, I stopped pitching because I couldn't hit anymore. So I became a catcher. Uh, but I think by the time you get to college, they make you make that choice. I think up to that point, a lot of guys are able to do both. You don't play as long as the season. Uh, the competition is different. The stresses on what you do in your body is different. Uh, training, all these different, that's the specialization that's necessary to dominate as a pitcher or as a hitter is different. So I think you could get away with it uh, probably through college at some point. But the, by the time you get to professional ball, it really, really uh, causes you to, to focus on one or, or the other, except if you have this kind of talent like Shoei does. What did you discuss with him about competing in the home run derby that guys will talk about? You kind of screw up your swing and, and just the amount of energy that it takes to be in that. Yeah, I did. And uh, here's the thing. I, I, you know, we get, we put all these parameters on everybody anymore. Everybody tries to put it in somebody's head, um, which you can and cannot do. And I don't do that. I don't believe in that. I don't even know who came up with that in the first place. Uh, it's an easy narrative. It's easy to, to defend in a sense. And I, it's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible, but, and I'm not going to deny the fact that I liked the, I wanted him to win, but I wasn't upset that he didn't win. <laughs> it was out up to the first round. Uh, but all this stuff, I think we uh, in charge, these people in charge these days, we, we attempt to get in the way of greatness of a lot of athletes by putting restrictor plates on all of them. I don't like to do that. This guy is a great athlete. He signed up to do this. He signed up to do both. So why would we restrict him from doing both? And on top of that, he wants to. I mean, there's times you have to push players to do certain things or ask them to do certain things. Shohei's wanted to do this from the beginning. So 
never get in the way of a player's greatness and stop talking about getting hurt all the time. We put this in people's heads and all of a sudden it becomes a self-fulfilled prophecy. I just wonder about being too cautious with today's athlete because, Joe, we grew up yeah. when, yeah. you know, guys mm-hmm. completed games. Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, Juan Marichal, go down the list. You, you know, that was the, the badge of courage. I'm going to – I want to complete a game. Uh, you know, I, I look back on Jabba Chamberlain. I think the Yankees over-pampered him, and I don't think he ever could ever get out of a tough situation because whenever he got into one, they take him out. So how do you have that – let me let you walk and fall on your own. All the above. You're right. Um, a part of it has to do with money and agents yeah. and all these different, you know, you want to try to extend your, your shelf life to make more money over a period of time. I think that's part of the narrative. But then again, if that were the case, why is everybody still getting hurt? Um, all these new different training methods and diet, uh, which listen, I'm all into all of that stuff. We could go overboard with everything. Uh, diminishing return sits in with almost everything we do in our life at a certain point. And you go overboard, you become an extremist in all these different areas. And I'm not into it. I do love balance. I think balance is necessary. You should have a, a McDonald's a Big Mac at some point. And of course, you can eat properly for the next uh, week or 10 days. Uh, balance this whole thing out. Don't be an extremist. And I think that's what we've become with everything that we're doing. We're extreme. And I think there, there is a middle road. I believe in the gray area of everything. And when you experience both sides, I think you you turn out to be a, a better human being, actually. I'm, I'm into liberal arts. I'm into the liberal arts method of teaching baseball. And I think we become polarized with all of this. And I don't think it's healthy. So I agree with you. I think if uh, given the opportunity, uh, a lot of these players, if you're talking about pitchers, would be able to pitch more deeply in the games. And it needs to start in the minor leagues. And just, just to cut it off here, but when I was managing an 82 in Salem, Oregon, uh, Kirk McCaskill was one of my pitchers, and he pitched a nine-inning complete game, shutout, giving up two hits, no walks, 12 strikeouts against the Mefford A's. Wow, that would never even occur today. <laughs> a, ma- a minor league manager would lose his job if he even attempted to permit a pitcher to do something like that. He's Joe Madden, the Angels <clears throat> manager, three-time baseball manager of the year, two-time World Series champ. Given uh, Stephen A. Smith's comments on uh, Shohei Otani and the language barrier, um, how much pressure is does Shohei feel to be able to speak English? You know, I don't, I don't think he feels pressure. I think he's learning, you know, it's like if you're in a situation, I speak some Spanish, right. And uh, on occasion, the Spanish reporters will ask me to do something in Spanish. It's a very unnerving situation. And, and you try and you concentrate and you focus, you don't want to make a fool out of yourself. It becomes embarrassing. So when you're, but if you're fluent in that language, obviously it's much easier to do. My point is, as Shohei learns more, which he is. And believe me, he communicates with us. He says a lot of different things in English. But if you put a microphone in front of somebody, until you become pretty comfortable with that, you don't even want to go there because you don't want to screw up. You don't want to be interpreted in the wrong way. That's all that is. Because Shohei does a great job with this. He pays interpreter, who we also love, is outstanding. So give him time. It's like anything else. Give him time. We're just in a different culture, in a different environment. You go to Japan and learn the language that quickly and speak it fluently during an interview. Not an easy thing to do. I can't even imagine that. So give him time. He's a very bright young man. He's engaging. He wants to learn and he will. I promise you he will. But it's just a it's a process, man, like everything else. What was that meeting phone call like when you had to tell Albert Pujols that uh, you were letting him go? I didn't. I wasn't a part of that, actually. Um uh, I spoke with Albert that night before that game. Um, 
he was upset that he wasn't in that lineup and I couldn't tell him everything that was going on that I knew was going on uh, later on that night. That was uh, John Carpino and, and Perry Manazzi um, and our GM. They're, they're the guys that spoke to him about it. And um, so since then, I really haven't spoken, Albert. I know he was upset leaving, and uh, I understand that completely, and I, and I don't blame him. However, it's worked out wonderfully for yeah. him and wonderfully for us. It was the right thing to do for everybody involved. And sometimes it takes a little time for people to realize or understand that. Wish him. I thought it was great, too, that he was able to stay in Los Angeles, didn't have to pick up and leave. Family was not uprooted. All those kind of things that you, you would that makes it difficult. So it's a win-win absolutely for everybody involved. And uh, we're going to see him again. He's going to play well against us. I absolutely believe that. And I think it's great. I think it's great for baseball. So win-win. Uh, the rule changes. The commissioner said we're going to yeah. take away the uh, seven inning <laughs> double headers and not going to put a runner on second base uh, next season. Uh, what do you, what do you think of those decisions? Well, first of all, the runner at second base has been a thorn the whole time. I, uh, I'm not uh, to expedite our game just for the sake of expedition. <laughs> I don't understand that. I don't get it. Uh, and this is one of those things that our game is, is, is based in our heathen tradition. Why do you want to subtract? Everybody wants to take tradition out of everything anymore either. It can't, you just don't want to microwave. Everybody wants to microwave everything. Let the game be played. Yeah, there's going to be some really uncomfortable nights that stink when you have to stay there 17 innings and lose possibly. Horrible method, horrible moment. But that's how this thing is done. So let's, let's do that again. And that's part of what's happening. The front offices are really freaked out about this stuff because then you have to use pitchers more than you would like to or you'd have to shuttle guys between um, AAA back to the big leagues to uh, boast of yourself for the next day. Those are the problems. That's what the real issue is here. It's not about the game itself. And as a kid, uh, I loved extra innings. I, I, if the game was beginning to be, be played a little bit more or longer, I would love that. I understand there's school and I understand there's work. I get all that stuff, but that's what the game is. So, A, I'd love to see that go away. The seven-inning doubleheader is interesting. Um, I'm good with going back to nine, but I really would hope that they don't go uh, day night. That's the part that really is the kicker. I understand. I understand the gate. I understand it's probably not going to go away, but if you want to make it palatable to all of us, uh, play two nine any games that have them uh, concurrent game over half hour later game two, that would be the, the better that's way, the way it used to be when we were right. yeah. growing up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, that's better for everybody. Um, you know, when it when it comes to what the game is now and the strategy now, can you see somebody being counterintuitive, uh, you know, like Whitey Herzog's St. Louis Cardinal team? Could you could you build a team on speed defense, putting the ball in play uh, and, and still be, and, and having a good pitching staff? Is somebody going to come along and go, we can't compete with big markets and getting sluggers. We're going to do this. I think sluggers are going to be part of it. I still do. I, I don't think that's going to go away. What Whitey did there, I mean, that was – I mean, I'm a big Whitey guy. Whitey worked for the Angels for a bit, and that's where I got to know him. I thought that was – I thought he was brilliant. Um, I, I'd like I've, – I've always said I'd like to have it all. Why can't you have a couple sluggers? You know, George Hendrick was on that team, my buddy, because he was on those particular teams. Jackie Clark stepped in there. They had some pop, uh, but they're able to really – listen, when you were – or you're preparing a game in the other dugout, you know that other team – could fly and they're going to put pressure on you on defense all the time. That's an unsettling feeling. That's worse to me in the dugout than the team that has two or three guys that may take you deep. Uh, I think you could mitigate that a lot more easily than the team that's constantly putting pressure on you. That bothers everybody on the field. I love that style. 
And I would like for the Angels to be that style. My my theme for this year, play it's like play it like it's 1985. I got this cool little shirt made up about it. And the point would be uh, to play the game uh, more completely, as opposed to again walk, strikeout, homer, etc. Um, so I think it could all be done. I really do, and I think it comes down to drafting. We just went through the draft. I know we took pitchers, which is absolutely necessary. But I've I even talked with Theo. I've seen a couple years ago, and they went to 40 rounds, and I asked them. Why wouldn't you take the rounds 30 to 40, just speed guys, just guys that could absolutely fly and see if you could build them from there. And even if you hit on one a year, my goodness, after four years, you've got four guys that could fly. And it, it's kind of tantamount to what the Kansas City Royals Baseball Academy used to be like in yeah. the 70s, which I still think was a brilliant idea. Yeah. And that would be something cool to come on back to. But you got you have to draft and build and nurture this kind of pattern if that's what you want to see. And I'd love to see that. But you know what that pressure was like when when Ricky Henderson mm-hmm. would get on first base, mm-hmm. Willie McGee. I mean, it just it it changed the atmosphere of a game. It sure. felt like, and and I know you can have a bomb and somebody can hit it four hundred and fifty mm-hmm. feet. There was something unnerving about somebody on first base that was that was that slow water torture and it gets into the pitcher and then the catcher and then the manager everybody i i don't know i miss that element there and i don't know if that comes back that you know the stolen base no you're right 100 percent. i'll tell you where it went away it went away because of analytics that's why it went away and that's that's another part of the game we could talk about for another hour <laughs> where i am an advocate but i'm telling you analytics has really kind of squashed the stolen base because, and I'll just be quite frank with you, when, when a guy would get thrown out on the bases on a steal attempt, I promise you post-game, somebody from the front office would come down and talk to the manager about what happened there. You know, we don't want to make outs on the bases. And then the manager has to go talk to the coach, who then has to go talk to the player. <laughs> I mean, and this was, and so at that, by, by the time that all gets done, yeah. these guys lose their aggressiveness, their assertiveness, and you have to be all of that in order to be a great base stealer. So there's a lot of stuff that's that's gone away based on a, a trickle down from analytics from the front office down to the field. Give me your favorite minor league <clears throat> managing lifestyle story. Wow. Uh, I'll tell you what I loved. I love the road. I love to ride on a bus weirdly. And I drive one now. We, Jay, my wife's right here with me right now. We have a 45 foot Winnebago grand to our grand tour RV. I love the road. You're in so the I Winnebago the, now. No, we, that's parked somewhere here. We're in actually in a hotel room. Oh, okay. Um, we're here. We're in here. Uh, since I got my kids and my grandkids are here, but I'd see, you know, as a man of you sit in the first seat, right? First seat up in the front of the bus, right on the right side. And as you asked that question, I could see myself uh, in the Texas league. Now the Texas league, I was in Midland, Texas, uh, in your division, you'd have to go to El Paso, like six and a half, seven hours or Beaumont, 11 hours or San Antonio, I think was eight or sometimes Jackson, Mississippi or Little Rock, Arkansas. That's 10 plus. But I'd sit in that front seat, and at that time, you had the, uh, the little cassette player with the fuzzy headphones you'd put on your head, and you'd bring a pillow and a blanket, you'd wrap yourself up, and I'd bring a book. I was, I was a voracious reader, and I loved it. Uh, you'd turn the AC way down, and you'd freeze in that front seat, and you'd have to sleep, and you'd wake up, and you'd go to some kind of truck stop in the middle of the night, grab some food, and get back on. And I promise you, I'll leave. I left Yankee Stadium a couple weeks ago. We, we won a pretty tough game like one or two o'clock in the morning, walking out to the bus. And I look up and I said, thank you. I'm still have that opportunity to relive those moments that I had as a young manager coming up, which if you want to romanticize, which I tend to do, that's it. And that's the part about the minor leagues that I, I really did enjoy weirdly 
I was on some in some leagues that had tremendously long bus rides. But you didn't have I, a Bull Durham moment, did you? Um, I didn't. I did him before. Yeah, when I was in Boulder, Colorado, I would. We did that before he did that. Um, What'd you me do? And Stan, me, Stan Jakubowski, and Rod Boxberger, who's the dad of Brad Boxberger, were in charge of the Colorado University baseball field where the Boulder Collegians played. And Bali Muschietti was the owner of that team. And Bali was the guy that got me my break. Anyway, we were in charge of the field. So I said, Stan, he's not giving me any days off. I don't want to play. I'm the catcher. And we're playing like, I'm catching like back-to-back-to-back doubleheaders. So I had enough. I said, we're going to flood the field. We did. <laughs> we went out that day. And I, the night before, you put those things on the, the sprinklers. We have to crank it a little bit. And then the pump, 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 And we left it on all night. And we get there the next day. Baldy shows up. Hey, what's happened here? Damn, Baldy, I don't know. The sprinklers got stuck. Well, we got a game tonight. He said, I don't think we could get that. Baldy brings in a helicopter you know, foot, foot, foot to get all the water <laughs> off the field. And then me and Stashu and Boxy had to go out there, rake the infield, go buy some gasoline, burn it. So the infield's ready to, by the end of that, I have to catch that night anyway. So we, we went through the whole process. And I think that's, that was 1975. So that was pre Bull Durham, man. Uh, Susan Sarandon wasn't waiting for you, was she? No, 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 she was not. <laughs> to uh, Shaw, as they said. Uh, Joe, great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us. Good luck the second half of the season. Always a pleasure to be with you, man. Thank, Thank you. you That's uh, Joe Madden, Angels manager, Shohei Otani's manager, but also a three-time baseball manager of the year and two-time World Series champ. We'll take a break. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the 3 and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks, coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip. Who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything. Everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. 
Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I mentioned this earlier in the show. Well, I'd been mentioning this for years, that I wanted the NFL, NFL Films, to go back and tabulate all the sacks from the players who played prior to 1982 when sacks became an official stat. Well, Pro Football Reference did that, and from 1964 to 1969, Deacon Jones led the NFL in sacks five times. A total of 115 and a half sacks in, in that time period. And I wanted to know how many times did quarterbacks drop back and pass? So the, the ratio of sacks to dropbacks it's got to be completely different than what you have now. You're dropping back 30, 40 times a game. Deacon Jones averaged one sack every 23 times the opposing quarterback dropped back to pass. By comparison, Michael Strahan's record season in 2001, where he had 22 and a half sacks, he averaged one sack every 25 times quarterbacks dropped back to pass. So unofficially, Deacon Jones' six-season run was better than the best official single-season sack record of all time. Uh, another comparison, T.J. Watt led the NFL with 15 sacks last year, one sack every 38 times a quarterback dropped back to pass. Now, these are unofficial stats, but at least they have tabulated some of these, got them up to date with Deacon Jones, Jack Youngblood. There are a lot of great – Alan Page, a lot of great pass rushers, and I think that they were uh, – kind of uh, held to a different standard, or we forgot about them. And you had, you had the opportunity to be able to go back and tabulate these sack totals. And they should be up to date. 
because you can't say 1982 is when it officially started. It shouldn't be. All right, uh, Russell Wilson Jr. the third. We uh, talked to him yesterday after the show, and uh, he joined us courtesy of Bose. And here's how we started the interview. Okay, February 9th, you join us after the Super Bowl. I'm watching the Super Bowl, and I thought you looked miserable. And then I realized you're probably going, wait a minute, why am I not playing in a Super Bowl? Then we had the interview a couple of days later, February 9th. When you hung up the phone with me that day, what was the rest of the day like, the reaction to what you said? Well, the rest of the day, you know, started off with, I had all the man of the year uh, interviews to do. So that's really why we had, you know, the interview with you and then if I had set that up and all that. And, and then uh, <laughs> the rest of the day got interesting. I would say the next, the next day I got interesting more so anything else. But, um, but anyways, I, you know, listen, I, I think that, uh, anytime you're not playing, you want to be playing in that game. You know, this is why you know, I've been fortunate to play in it twice, win one of them, and uh, you, know, you want to get back and, and, and do everything you can to get back. And that's what our team's trying to do here, and we're excited about the team that we have and where we're headed. So we got a chance. Okay, wait a minute. Let's go back, though. That Do you hear from Man? How long does it take before the Seahawks call you after the interview with me? <laughs> um, uh, it was um, – I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a couple hours, probably. <laughs> okay. I just so you know, I didn't plan on bringing this up. I sort of stumbled onto it because I just wanted to know why you didn't look like you were having a good time, and then it felt like you you wanted or welcomed the opportunity to get this off your chest. Is that fair? No, I mean, I'm not. I think that more than anything else, you know, like I said, we we had all the end of the year stuff that we had to do, and and. Uh, I think more than anything else, it, you know, we just had a, a dialogue, a conversation, and you know, I think it definitely blew out of proportion in terms of the, the moment and what it became. Um, you know, it was a little unfortunate, but I think more than anything else, you know, you know what I care about? I care about winning. You know, that's what I want to do. So I just put my cleats on every day, and, and uh, that's always been my focus. That's always been my goal, you know, is to, is to win it all and, and to continue to do that and try to do everything we can. So, um you know, so anyways, I, it's uh, it's been it's been a great off season. Uh, we've, I mean, my teammates and I, we've spent a lot of great time getting the work in, spending the time together. And we're excited about getting back the ball and playing. You know, and fans. Is your relationship and, uh, different with the Seahawks? I would say it's stronger. I mean, I think me and Pete have gotten even closer. Okay. I mean, we've always been super close. So, you know, Pete and I, we've always uh, we've always had a great bond, but. I think, you know, we got to have a great heart-to-heart. And just, you know, he, he's got goals. I, I have goals. You know, we want to do great things, you know. And so to to actually, you know, really dive into those and really talk about, you know, you know those those missions, those goals, it was, it was fun. So, uh, you know, and so I think, I think you know, me and me and Coach Carroll's relationship is stronger than ever, and I think that's that's the best part and, about it. And and uh, and also my teammates, you know, we're, we're pumped about the season and getting back to – to playing ball and snapping the ball and, and scoring touchdowns and winning games. Did you ever think you were going to be traded in the offseason? I think that any time in sports there's a potential of being traded. You know, I think there's always a real opportunity to that. But, um, you know, I think that you know I've always wanted to be in Seattle. I've always loved being there. and It's a place that I've always wanted to play. So it's been great. And how glad were you that the Aaron Rodgers topic then took over and kind of put you on the back burner? How what? No, when Aaron Rodgers, all that talk came up, you know, they stopped talking about you and what was going on in Seattle. It was like everybody was, you know, then curious about what was going on with Aaron Rodgers. Was, 
That's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on up there. It's not really any of my business, but you know. <laughs> Wait, um, you're not following what's going on with it. How can you possibly not follow what's going on with Aaron Rodgers? I'm not saying I, you don't you don't watch it. Obviously, it's an interesting. It's you know interesting you know situation up there, but you know it's uh, I don't I don't have any intel on that. You know what I mean with Aaron? You know I think that. You know, obviously he's a great player, one of the best to ever played the game at that position. You know, you know, in this position. So, you know, anytime that that's going on, it's uh, it's always kind of hectic and confusing, and and, and uh, you know, it, it makes it difficult for everyone. But I think that uh, obviously he's been such a tremendous quarterback throughout his whole career. Russell Wilson, the Seahawks quarterback, joining us on the show. Any benefit upside to 17 game regular season? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's kind of awkward. It's kind of weird because now you got now you have uh, eight home games and, and, and nine away games. Um, so it's kind of interesting. You know, I think that you know the biggest thing is that you know the NFL will obviously uh, be able to broadcast a whole another game. You know, the, the, I would say the biggest you know kind of interesting thing is is that with the playoffs, you know, you don't have that that extra week if you're a first seed or a second seed or whatever it is. Um, I believe that's right. So, you know, I, I think that that's kind of a new, new, interesting thing. So, it, you know, it puts more pressure on the body. The, physically, the game is such a physical game, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I love playing. You know, so any any time we get to strap up the cleats and play, that's my favorite thing. So I, I don't mind the seventeen thing, but I think it is definitely an interesting dynamic with the playoffs and all that. that, that that's that's more of a challenge for sure. I wonder about load management, Russ, for certain players. Do you think we'll have that in the NFL? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think you'll have that in the NFL. I mean, I think you, you kind of have that with certain guys who get injured or, or dinged up. But for for I think your 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 guys who are, are healthy and you, you know your, your premier players, you know, I'm assuming you're talking about like the NBA, how they yeah. kind of hold guys out for this and the yeah. So you know, like I don't think that will happen in 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 the NFL at least at this stage because you know every game in the NFL, it, it matters so much. It counts so much against the record and playoffs, you know, standings and this and that, right? So, you know, NBA, they play so many games, you know, that it, it, it's a little bit less of a factor. It's kind of like Major League Baseball, right? You play 162 games in 180-plus days, wherever it is. You know, so guys can catch a break for a second and come back and be stronger the next day. Well, football, you know, I'm playing I'm playing dinged up. I'm playing beat up. You know, you got to do what you got to do, you know? And ultimately, you want to be on the field. You want to be available. And, and the guys that can be consistent and available, be professional, be ready to play, dominate the game every every moment they step on the field, be a be a true factor. I think that those are the guys who who uh, are, are game changers and, and true true factors to the game and, and, and making a difference. And so you need, you need all those guys, you know. And I got a guy like Dwayne Brown, who's you know, one of the best left tackles in the game. You know, he makes a difference when he's in there for me. So I love it when he's out there blocking for me. You know, he, you know, so you know, you always, you always want to have those those guys. You know, you got a guy like a DK Metcalf or Ty Lockett. You know, those, those guys aren't gonna, you know, sit out because of another game. You know what I mean? How would you have done in the home run derby? <laughs> I wouldn't have done what uh, what what DK did in the All Star game. You know, <laughs> um, but uh, I think uh, it would been fun. I, I know that watching Trey Mancini hit those home runs last night was amazing. You know, Alonzo obviously too, but just thinking about Trey Mancini, you know, having cancer, you know, a, a year and a, a couple months ago, and now being, you know, once again an all star and being the player that he is, and 
and then being the home run derby coming in second. I mean, that's the story. You know, that was amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if the sports world's, you know, honoring that enough of what Trey Mancini's been able to do. But imagine uh, if I said every five games you have to play defensive back and play quarterback the rest of the time. Like, Otani pitches every fifth game, but he's playing every day. Do you think you could you could do double duty like Otani's doing? Oh man, I don't know. These receivers are pretty talented out there, man. I, <laughs> I used to play. I used to play cornerback in the day in high school. I was, I was a, I was a good corner in high school. But I don't, these guys out here running these routes are pretty. They're pretty spectacular. But uh, you know what's, what? What what Otani's doing is is crazy to see. You know because he's not just doing it at you know the pro level or you know anything else. He, he's doing it at the highest highest level possible, and he's doing it better than everybody else too. I mean, he's throwing 100 miles an hour, you know, 98 miles an hour consistently, whatever he's throwing, and has all the pitches and everything else striking everybody out. But he's also got this, I mean, the power that he's hitting the ball with and, and the poise that he hits it with. I mean, he's, what's amazing is watching his stance and how poised he is, you know, and, and how, you know, when that ball comes, you know, when the ball's pitched, you know, he's, you, you feel like every swing is going to be the right swing. You know, yeah. you feel like he's going to crush it. So it's been amazing watching his success and uh, another story that needs to be talked about and told more. Uh, what are you doing with Bose? Yeah, super pumped, um, obviously, to be with Bose. I've been with Bose pretty much my whole career, and it's been amazing, you know, just my relationship with them. Because, you know, as you know, Dan, the music is in my family, you know, obviously with, <laughs> with Sierra, and we're always jamming out, always listening to music. So yeah. it's just an organic, you know, thing for our family and our, our kids constantly moving around and all we, all the things we do. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually, right now, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Texas right now, Dallas, I'm here for a uh, for a bow shoot commercial. And it's been cool because, you know, um, we have these new uh, quiet comfort earbuds, and uh, they're, I'm constantly on the go, as you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually using them right now since so talking to you. So it's always good to, to um, you know, have those in my ear as I'm working out training. I've been training like crazy. You know, I have a new trainer, Tim Grover, who you know. Um, and so we're constantly moving and shaking and, and making. And, and so it's uh, it's one of those things that it's perfect for me. And I can take any call. I can train in them. I can I love hopping on the Peloton late late in the afternoon to at night, you know. So I, you know, it just if I have a call, you know, I throw those throw the, you know, the uh, earbuds in my ear. So it's been a great relationship. So we're uh, shooting a commercial today. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a blast. I'm excited for it. We're at some high school right now, and uh, about to shoot this thing. So I'm going back to my high school days. And, like. and you know, you made no headlines today, so you're good. You're not going to hear from management. You, 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 you're not going to make Sports Center today. So the old Russ is back. The old Russell Wilson's back. No trouble. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Just move on, right? Yeah, yeah man. Listen, man, I'm excited for this. <laughs> no, I, no, I, it, it's good. I got it. The, the, the old Russ is back. There's no more controversy there. Uh, great to talk to you as always. Safe travels, and uh, thanks for joining us. Okay, I'll see you later, Dan. I'll talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.